On this episode of Mistake by the Take, we bring in a very special guest, Logan Batowski, the play-by-play broadcaster for the Lake County Captains. In the episode, we go in-depth with the minor league system of the Cleveland Guardians, talk about some of the notable players that we could be seeing in the future, and of course, end the episode with this or that. All on this episode of Mistake by the Take. One, two, with another Wednesday edition of Mistake by the Take. Jake Volnick alongside Dylan Feltovich. Dylan, how are we doing today? I'm all right, you know. It's it's sunny out. You can't complain about that. You know, summer, done with exams. It's it's, it's going well. How about you? Hey, not too bad, you know. Uh, spent the weekend uh, calling some baseball. A lot of uh, John Carroll sports. You know, you can, you can catch that on a 88.7 app or on WJCU.org. We'll be back at it. This weekend, Friday through Sunday, times are on jcsports.com. First game uh, Friday will be on the air, so if you're in the area, 88.7. If not, you can uh, hop on the app. It'll be right there. And Saturday and Sunday will be on WJCU2 on WJCU.org or, again, in the app. You just got to click on that little 2 button. There you go, a little, little plug-in. But, yeah, shout-out to the John Carroll Baseball Boys for, for getting it done this uh, this year. I'm really, really proud of my guys over there. Yeah, absolutely. NCAA regional now. Uh, third time ever that they ever made it and have yet to win a game. So exactly, yeah. So it'll be. I'm I'm excited to see what we can do this weekend. Yeah, I mean, can't wait to make the trip. Going to cause us to do some uh, some early recordings this week. But yeah, yeah, you know, it's all right. No, well, nothing too crazy. Just a few hundred, just a few more energy drinks to the week. You know, it'll be all right. Yeah, you know, what's what's wrong with that? Some early mornings. <laughs> exactly. But uh, we do have a very special guest today on the podcast. I mean. We pretty much, I mean, we just wrapped up the interview, of course, recording this after, but I mean, I think it went really well. It, it went really well, and I'm really excited about this, uh, our, our new uh, guest to the the podcast, uh, Logan Petoskey, great guy. Uh, he is the play-by-play for the Lake County Captain's recent John Carroll graduate as well. Uh, we worked alongside him for our whole college careers at this point, but yeah, I mean, love the guy to death and especially to our first uh first episode the first guest you know it had to be him yeah without a doubt i mean he was our initial sports director here you know at wjcu on the radio and as well i know i interned with him with the lake county captains where he's currently at now just last season so definitely a guy we have some close bonds to and i don't really want to hold it up any further we can send it right over here's the interview and the rest of mistake by the take with Logan Petoskey. Now on Mistake by the Take, we're joined by a very special guest, recent John Carroll graduate, also former sports director of WJCU, the radio station at the university, our close friend and former colleague, and most importantly to this podcast, the current play-by-play broadcaster of the Lake County Captains, Logan Petoskey. Jake, Dylan, thanks so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Yeah, we're excited to really get you on. We we said it first. We were like, okay, who's going to be the first guy to get on this podcast? And we were like, it's got to be Logan. Yeah, well, I'm absolutely honored. Thank you so much, guys. Hey, thanks for being with us. We're ready for it. Of course. It. So uh, let's just start it out. You know, what's What's it been like? 
right out of college, still in college actually, yeah. calling uh, calling minor league baseball. Yeah, I mean, you know what? So at the time of recording, still yet to officially receive the diploma, but all the schoolwork's done, which is good. You know, <laughs> that's all that matters <laughs> at this point. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh yeah, but uh, you know, I mean, it's been a whole lot of fun. Um, obviously, just like getting to see these guys at a point where it's like I kind of said this a little while back, like. It's nice to get to see these guys where I can maybe be at a point where I could say, hey, I knew that guy won. Like, I'm hoping that a few of these guys in, in the next couple of years can make it to the big so I can say, you know, hey, I was I was calling that guy hitting doubles and home runs and high A, but uh, uh, it's just a real fun uh, experience. I was actually a radio production intern, uh, select on-air talent with the team. Last year, Jake, uh, you and I worked together. Yep. That was a whole lot of fun. Um, so that kind of helped prepare me for this experience too, because there's at least a handful of guys who were there last year, so kind of have some of that knowledge. Um, but yeah, like uh, this really is like the first time I've really gotten to consistently call baseball. I, I was looking to get into it at uh, John Carroll, but then uh, something called COVID hit, and you know <laughs> yeah, that yeah. changed everybody's lives at that point in time. And then by the time we got back, I was kind of pulled more into uh, men's and women's lacks here. I mean, which are tremendous experiences. At, I, I love getting to know a whole new sport that I really wasn't into before, um, but but now I'm really getting into baseball. And uh, I mean, I played it all the way through high school and everything. But uh, getting to call it, it's been a whole lot of fun. And it's a grind, but a fun grind just because I'm just coming off a stretch here at the time of uh, our recording here, where I called 12 games in 11 days. So whole lot oh, going on, but a whole lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. definitely uh, your fair share of work there. Yeah, I mean. It's. It looks like you're a, a mascot favorite too, because I see <laughs> the posts on Twitter. I mean, I was watching the one clip, and you know, all of a sudden you're just like, "Well, here's Skipper coming oh, into yeah. the boot," <laughs> and then all of a sudden the camera just pans over, and it's just like both of you just staring off into the distance. I was like, "Oh my goodness!" But yeah, no, that's funny. Um, so it is pretty unique situation though, coming from like you know the the big leagues. You got all every everyone knows everyone kind of thing, but in the minor leagues, you don't really know who's who and I think that's an important aspect so like what are your kind of like favorite things about calling the minor league game that is yeah um you know well firstly I kind of just uh have to say to uh all the fellow broadcasters like with uh the other teams that I've gotten to work with so far they've welcomed me with open arms and you know they're still like teaching me how to do things and that kind of thing and you know I can't thank uh that I can't thank them enough for all that they've been doing so far. Um, but I think just, like, some of the favorite things is, like, there's an entertainment aspect, too. Like, you know, in between innings, there's, like, all the, like, antics and, like, funny things that are going on. Um, like, you know, every home game we have, like, a dizzy bat race. You see just, like, fans running around, and they kind of just, like, fall over. Like, e- even sometimes they're, like, almost running onto the field of play right. when the other team's warming up. They're almost going to hit somebody. They like, okay, whoa, whoa, move it over a little bit. Um, but there's just a lot of, like, that fanfare uh, aspect too that makes it a whole lot of fun and I think kind of like my caption said when I posted that video of Skipper coming in I said it's not a minor league broadcast until the mascot joins you at some point right. I've had I've had both of our mascots join me at points uh, we have Skipper longtime mascot I think we say like a cousin of Slider with the Guardians I mean kind of looks like it too yeah um, we we also unveiled a new mascot um, opening weekend they they had a giant egg and they had like a sword poke through it to hatch. We have a new bird mascot. His name is Horatio, so he's kind of making the rounds, uh, getting to know everybody at the ballpark and that kind of thing. He he's also stopped in and uh, joined me as well. Um, gotten a couple like shoulder rubs during the game from those couple of mascots. But again, I think it's like that fanfare and entertainment aspect that really make that. I think it just separates minor league baseball from any, like basically kind of anywhere else. 
and correct me if I'm wrong. Is that still your Twitter banner? You and uh, you and Skipper? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I'm. I'm. I think that's going to be it for the foreseeable future. We're going to have to see what happens. Next. <laughs> oh yeah. I remember. I like. I quote retweeted. I took a screenshot of that moment, and I was just like, no caption needed whatsoever. <laughs> right. I started losing it at that. That was funny. Yeah. I mean. Can't, can't pass up on those moments in the minor league. Definitely not. But uh, let's kick it right basically into uh, some captain's baseball. You know, that's where you're at, calling some games there. And the team not doing so bad for themselves right now, 17-15 and 15 record. And a uh, little bit different than, than the major league club, you know, not exactly the same path. You guys are a little bit more towards the uh, probably middle of the pack in the Midwest League when it comes to hitting. You're fourth in batting average. You drop down a little lower when you talk OPS. You are the same when we talk home runs. That's pretty much throughout the organization. Only 17 on the year near the bottom of the Midwest League there. But really, pitching's kind of been a bit of a struggle. ERAs are down. You're pretty much near the bottom of the league. You get a lot of strikeouts, a lot of close games so far. You lead the league in saves. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about how the team's doing, just some of those stats, where they come from. Right, yeah. So um, they just had a recent home stretch. Uh, I think I mentioned earlier I had that 12 games and 11 days I ended up calling. Uh, so they had a 12-game homestand and uh, ended up going 4-8. and eight. Um, I mean, when you run into the Midwest League leaders, uh, the Great Lakes Loons, we just got off a six-game set with them. That team is very, very good. Uh, and they're kind of that team where, you know, they thrived on the long ball. Uh, they did a whole lot of good with that. <clears throat> um, but uh, in terms of us, something that was kind of a struggle was letting up the home runs. Like, going into that game we just played this past Sunday, we had gone 13 straight games allowing a home run, which was kind of rough. Um, I mean, you know, those are those are tough to overcome, but that streak ended this past Sunday on Mother's Day, which was very nice to see uh, with that. And, you know, too, like, like you said, like, we're not a team that thrives on the home run ball, but the big point is when you get runners on base, you got to be able to bring them in, at least in some form. Um, you know, we were able to do that finally this past Sunday. Uh, ended up getting a walk-off win on Mother's Day, which I thought was very cool. Uh, I mean, we, we were able to get the bases loaded with nobody out in the bottom of the ninth and a tie game. Well, it got tied because one of our players, Eordis Valdez, got hit by pitch with the bases loaded. So then that kept them loaded, and then next hit uh, – we have a young infield prospect, um, Diane Frias, got a hold of one. And, I mean, it was one of those balls where I've never really seen this happen often, but it wasn't a home run, but he hit it so far, and it's like the right fielder knew the bases were loaded and nobody was out, and he's like, I'm not getting you that in time to get the guy from third coming home. So everybody just stood there and watched it bounce to the warning track. Um, but, you know, I think, too, starting pitching, the strikeouts are really – the main way that we're going to end up getting the outs. That's kind of how it's been so far this season. Um, just looking at kind of the Midwest League leaders, like nobody's really standing out per se in terms of the stats. Um, but, you know, if they're getting the run support, that's ultimately when they're going to end up doing their best. And, you know, that's kind of how it's panned out so far this season. Yeah, I mean, right now it's Great Lakes is winning – is leading the conference right now with um, 21 wins. So, I mean, it's not like you're we're really like – far out in any aspect like that but then also a point that I wanted to touch on that you said giving up the long ball 38 home runs on the year that is the most out of the Midwest League so yeah I mean that, that that's a very important part but I think it is like I like I said earlier like it, it you guys are still competing though and it's still in the running so like who are kind of the main contributors right now on both sides of the ball 
Yeah, so uh, I think just starting with hitting, um, I think you have to start with a young infielder. His name is Juan Brito uh, from the uh, Dominican Republic. If you guys remember last season, Guardians made a trade. I think it was a, I think it was after the season, if I'm not mistaken. It was like just just after the season ended. I think it was in this past November. Um, Nolan Jones, former captain, former Guardian, obviously too. We traded him to Colorado, and you know, not every day that you trade someone who's gotten major league experience for somebody who's still well into the minor leagues. Uh, but Juan Brito was a return. It was just a straight up deal. Uh, Jones for Brito, and he's been doing very well so far with. Lake County this season. I mean, leading the team, three home runs. He gets on base a lot. He's drawn 21 walks. That leads the leads uh, Lake County as well. And he leads the team with 21 runs scored. So when he when he gets on base, he's scoring fairly often. Um, he's got 24 hits. That's third on the team right now. Uh, tied for second with five doubles. He's hitting 242. Typically in an infield, it's kind of. And by the way, he's also like the typical leadoff hitter, so he's quite often at the top of the lineup. He usually plays second base, but he's been sprinkled in at third and short. Usually a guy at the top of the lineup like that, you expect him to probably steal, at least fairly often. He's not done so lately. I believe it's three steals and four attempts for him so far this year. Um, But but he's just a player that brings a lot of excitement to the game, uh, plays a positive uh, energy quite often. Um, even defensively, he's got quite the glove too. Uh, there was a play, I think it was in the Fort Wayne home series, right, right, right before Great Lakes. We turned a four-six-three double play. He fielded it with his glove, and he did a backhand glove flip to short. I mean, it's one thing if you do kind of like that shovel scoop. He 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 did a backhand glove flip like it was nothing. I'm like, whoa, this is this is a heck of a play. Um, but he's definitely somebody to keep the eye on. Um, somebody else to be on the lookout for too. Um, he's a mainstay outfielder, usually center field, but he's kind of been moving. Uh, between center and right field because uh, Jake Fox has gotten into the fold. But uh, Joe Lampy, he was a third-rounder for us this past season out of uh, Arizona State in the 2022 draft. Um, he leads a team. He's got 28 hits, seven stolen bases on the season. He had a point pretty early on where he was leading the whole Midwest League. He was hitting over 400, but the, he's been in a funk the last 10 games. He's hitting 111. Um, but he's made some good uh, defensive plays uh, in the outfield as well. Um, he's got 13 RBI on the season. He's got two home runs. He's hitting 267. But again, that 111 over the past 10 games has kind of been hitting him hard. But he's looking to right that ship. And then, so both of those guys are in the top 30 at the moment of our prospect rankings. If you look at MLB Pipeline, um, Brito, too, actually, he's the only captain right now who's on the 40 man for the Guardians. So that's definitely a name to keep in mind Juan, Juan Brito. Um, but somebody else who, he's not really in the prospect rankings right now, but I think somebody you should be on the lookout for is Jorge Burgos. He's an outfielder. He's usually in right field. He's gotten over 20 starts there this season. Uh, we signed him in January of 2019. He's got 19 RBI on the season. That far and away leads Lake County, but I'll say something that helped him. The first pitch he saw as a Lake County captain, it was the first game of the season, season opener at uh, Classic Auto Group Park. He takes the first pitch he sees to right field for a grand slam. And I know, I mean, like, I, I was just kind of finding my, my bearings. You know, okay, how are we doing this thing, calling the games, the live streams and everything. But it's like he gave me no time to wait. He, he gave us a fantastic moment to begin the season. Um, he has 20 hits. He's one of four captains with that 20-hit uh, benchmark this season. And last year with Lynchburg, I mean, fairly productive on a team that was runners-up in the Carolina League. Uh, he hit 278 with 66 runs batted in. So, I mean, he was uh, definitely good there. Um 
I mean, I feel like I've kind of been going on for a while, so like maybe you guys want to take it for just a little bit, and then maybe we get into a couple of uh, pitchers that we can maybe on the lookout for. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit it kind of on the nail. I mean, I had Brito, I had Burgos um, in my notes. Uh, Jordas Valdez? Jordas uh, Valdez, too. He's definitely been a key fixture in the Lake County lineup. Um, he's eighth in the Midwest League at the time of uh, our uh podcast recording here he's hitting 299 so he was a late call up last year uh jake i think you remember i think it was september 9th i think it was like the second last game of the regular season he had a walk-off single which captains were vying for that second half midwest league east title and he delivered um it was like i remember that specifically though just because like i think i was producing if i'm not mistaken i think you might have yeah i think i was there but like they they had the black jerseys. It was like for that country TV show. It's called Monarch. Yep. It's it's just like a random memory I have, just because like it was one of his first games. We're wearing like the real like niche jerseys that were being worn throughout the minor leagues. But that that was just a cool um, memory that he had. Uh, Valdez too. I mean, twenty six hits, five doubles, eleven RBI in the season. Um, and defensively, he he has the nickname. It's actually stitched onto his glove, Jake. I think you might remember from last year. It's Mr. Hands because he has this like great defensive ability. He certainly does. I'll back him up on that. Um, but it's like stitched onto his glove, which I thought was like kind of cool. But yeah, that's somebody else I kind of had on the list too because I know you guys were kind of saying like maybe a top three, but I'm like he he has to be mentioned as well. Yeah, I mean he was a guy too that last year at the plate it wasn't necessarily the best for him. He struggled a little bit there, but he made up for it defensively, and he, you know, he just had walk-off hit. I mean, he came through in the clutch. He played a big role down the stretch. Captain's one game away from mm-hmm. winning the uh, the Midwest League, just never able to put it away. That one hit us at home, I know that. But uh, great to see him up now. I mean, hitting almost 300 at this point. A guy who I think is pretty highly ranked in the organization, at least how he's thought of, but not, you know, one of the top guys, so you like to see those guys kind of pop off, and we saw that plenty of last year. I mean, we'll get into a couple of those guys later, but there was uh, there was some big names on the captains who weren't exactly you know top thirty prospects. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, you kind of look at some of the guys now, um, just considering like you know where they're currently ranked. Um, you look at somebody like Jake Fox. Now he was out a few games. I don't know exactly why because. I was actually flying back from a broadcast convention that uh, some of us with WJCU got to go to. So it was the one home game that I did not get to call, but something happened where he kind of just like left in the middle of the game. It was, from what I heard, it was like, okay, he's out there in the field, and then like next thing you know, but like when they're doing the warm ups and stuff, the training staff just walks out and they just take him out of the game. But he's, he's back in the lineup now, so he missed a few games, but his stats don't look the prettiest right now, but he had a couple of. RBI singles in this past series against uh, the Great Lakes Loons, which is a, a good sign. Also, too, we had a game where it was a one-run game. We didn't win the game, but he had his first high start in right field. He's a main fixture in center. He got, I think, opening day he started at second base, and I think that's the only time he's been in the infield. But he made a great leaping catch to rob a three-run home run, which was just very cool, too. Um, highly ranked prospect for a reason. He had a fantastic season in Lynchburg. I think over 20 steals and 20 doubles on the campaign. Um, so, He's somebody to keep in mind, but again, I think those stats will be on the upswing as he gets more and more time in the lineup. Um, Milan Tolentino as well. He's currently 23rd ranked in our organization, but his batting average is like just over 170. So uh, it's, again, a cold spell for right now, but it's still very early in the season. I mean, it's 132-game season. So, I mean, some of these guys at the, at the top right now might fall a little bit and it might go topsy-turvy, but we're hoping everybody stays at that high level where, you know, we want them to be. Yeah, so then moving kind of forward then, like, 
What were like some of those guys then, we kind of touched on a little bit, that you don't really hear much of, but then it's like, oh, like that was kind of a pleasant surprise. Like who are those guys right now with the captains where you're like, okay, they're came out of nowhere kind of thing. Mm-hmm, right, yeah. Um, I think kind of somebody you look at pitching-wise, uh, starting pitcher Ryan Webb. He wasn't with the team last year. Uh, he's a fourth-rounder from the University of Georgia 2021 draft. Uh, I mean, stats look okay with like 1-2, and two, a 3-9-0 ERA, 28 strikeouts, but he has a very good curveball. Like, Jake, you kind of saw this last year with uh, Rodney Boone, who's still mm-hmm. on the team, by the way. Left-hander, he's got a really good curve. Um, but he's thrown at least five innings in his past a few consecutive starts. Um, you know, walks have kind of been an issue in general for starting pitching just throughout the season. I'm sure you guys kind of saw on like our uh, team stats that we have. Um, but I think he's somebody who he hasn't been ranked lately, but he had a fantastic start in, I think it was his first home start. You look at, it was game two of a Sunday doubleheader against Lansing. I think he won five and two thirds. Um, I think he struck out eight or nine, to my knowledge. I, I think you might have it right in front of you, uh, Dylan, if you go to those game logs. Uh, very good feature, by the way. If you go to MILB.com and you just, like, search a player, you can find, like, every game by game in terms of how they've done, which is actually very cool. So you look at the – I think it was April 23rd against Lansing. It was a very good start. I think he had, like, five and two-thirds and, like, eight strikeouts. Yeah, five and two-thirds, two hits, eight strikeouts, um, finished with a whip of 120 and an ERA of 3-0. Yeah, I mean, when you when you can get a start like that, just that day he, he, was, he was pitching like an ace. So uh, I think that's somebody to be on the lookout for if you are just trying to keep tabs on, okay, who might make the move. Uh, up to the next level. And then a reliever on the team out of the bullpen, Tyler Thornton. He has pitched outstanding this season. He's got a 3-0 record, ERA of less than 2.2. He struck out 28. I mean, if you want this for perspective, per nine innings, if you went per nine, he averages over 20 strikeouts per nine innings right now. Uh, In fact, uh, came in for the top of the ninth inning uh, this past Sunday. That was the last game that Lake County played at the time of our recording here. He struck out the side, and it really helped because it was a two to one game. We tied the game in the base loaded hit by pitch, and then again got the walk off. But um, his his delivery, you kind of see him with that motion. He he brings the arm like all the way back, kind of like my dad used to say when I was like playing baseball. He's like, okay, when when you're making the throw, reach your arm back like you're picking the apple out of the tree. So I, I could kind of see that from him, and that fastball. I haven't had any type of way to like measure it, but it's got to be mid-90s at least. There's a lot of heat with that, um, but he's found great command of the strike zone. Yeah, I mean, uh, just to kind of like rattle off some more stats about him, uh, batters are hitting 119 against him. That was something I saw too. Yeah, he has a 105 whip, uh, 219 ERA, uh, Made played in 10 games so far, 12 innings pitched, 5 hits. I mean, yeah, that, just looking at the eye test, it kind of just checks out for me. Oh, yeah, and... I mean, I guess you could say him and Joe Lampy kind of know each other some just because Tyler Thornton also an Arizona State Sun Devil. He was in the 21 draft, though, in the 14th round. So, Yeah, two guys that uh, it's always cool. Get to see a couple of uh, college teammates get to play together again. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much, I mean, captains-wise, it's always hard to talk minor leagues talking about, you know, Cleveland relation. Obviously, Eastlake not too far away. You guys just 20 minutes located pretty much uh, away from Cleveland, but... That jumped so far away for a lot of guys. I mean, 
from going from high A to the MLB. Oh yeah, just not going to see those guys probably for you know most of them four or five years if they ever get there. It's just going to be the case. But we can jump into a couple of guys that I know Logan, you and I called last year, and one of those guys absolutely just defined that logic. No other way to start a conversation about guys we called last year than with Tanner Bybee. This guy, and we talked about it the last episode, started in high A Lake County last year, and he made his MLB debut early in the season, this year for the MLB, for the Guardians. I mean, we got to watch him a ton, and he's obviously progressed so much farther than what even we got to see, but I know one of our big things last year was that jump from college to the high A ball. I mean, it was a completely different pitcher. Yeah, right. I mean, too, and he didn't seem as reliant on the breaking ball when he was with Lake County this past season, but, like, that's been, like, the stuff where I've just been able to catch a little bit of him uh, pitching with uh, Cleveland this year. Those That breaking ball, particularly the slider, it's working very well for him. I mean, even uh, the TV broadcasters have really liked his stuff so far, and I mean, what a start he had against the Angels this past Sunday, Mother's Day. What, like seven and two-thirds? I think he let up just like two hits. Two hits, one run, struck out seven. Just incredible. Now, this is where I bet a lot of folks who are following the Guardians uh, farm system, this is where you're expecting Gavin Williams to be. But I think kind of with him, and it, 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 it may be a thing with... I know Bo Naylor. I know that's kind of been a hot topic of discussion with you guys. I yeah. think in your last <laughs> just episode, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I, he's going to probably find his way in here soon. But I think with him, Tanner Bybee had just such that fast rolling momentum. It was like, okay, you kind of have to bring him in. Injuries helped with that for sure. But I mean, he's making the most of this opportunity. I can't see him if he keeps pitching like this. He might be a mainstay in the rotation. Now, in terms of somebody like Gavin Williams. I think with him, it's more so maybe you don't want to rush him in. You don't want to bring him in just to say, okay, we have to bring him in. He was a first-round pick. He's got to get here as soon as possible. If they if they think taking his time is the best and maybe later this year, if not going into next year, is when to bring him in, you know, that's fine. I mean, somebody like Zach Plesak, who's kind of been on the struggle bus, he kind of had to calm him down. That's where, you know, some of those things might happen, and then that opportunity shows up. But I think maybe not so much finding the perfect window to bring him in, but, like, don't throw him in the fire if you don't necessarily have to. If that window opens up, nice to bring him in. And with and with Tanner Bivey, I think that's how it just came to be and had a solid debut. Jake, I know you went to the park for that. I think you got to talk with some of his uh, Cal State Fullerton buddies, which is very cool. I did, um, yeah. But... It's just great to see. It's great to see. Now, I said this to you. I said this to our uh, our boss last year who's now working with the Great Lakes Loons. Um, I, I just said, like, could you imagine, too, like, imagine where, Jake, if I said to you last year, okay, Tanner Bybee's going to be play, pitching at Yankee Stadium. He's going to be facing Garrett Cole in a pitching matchup. What, what would you have said to me? Well, let me tell you, if you would have told me before the season started, I would have told you you were a moron. <laughs> exactly. Because he wasn't even ranked in the top 30. No. And it's a guy who, when he got called up, and we've talked about this too, he was ranked fifth. I mean, that is crazy. A fifth-round pick doesn't make the top 30 for the organization. And next thing you know, he's dominating MLB hitters literally a year later. I'm so happy for him. I mean, yeah, I can't say it enough. That was one of the things I had to make sure I did was make sure I saw a Tanner Bybee debut. Literally got the information he was starting that morning. I was showered and dressed in 35 minutes and in my car on You're the way down to Cleveland. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah we're not going to talk about the fact that, you know, 
the reason I had such little time was because I woke up at like ten thirty in the morning. But, but you know, we it, all do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I think it's interesting. I something that you kind of touched on too. Gavin Williams, another guy that we kind of wanted to discuss a little bit today. So he's in Columbus right now. I mean, he is just blowing through Columbus, right? Like any guy that he's facing, he's one and one on the season. Um, one thirteen ERA and three starts. Uh, 21 to 7 K to uh, walk ratio. Mm -hmm. I mean, the dude is just a monster right now. And I I think my perspective on it right now is the fact that you have so many guys pitching well in that rotation that you didn't expect. It's to the point where you don't even really need to throw Gavin Williams into that mix right now. That's how I look at it because, I mean— yeah, I could see the perspective of you don't want to rush or anything like that, and I agree to an extent, but, I mean, at this point, it's kind of like, do you really need him to kind of go up there? And the and the other thing is, too, once we get McKenzie back and once we get Savali, he's not going to have much of a role, and you're going to see some of these guys not like decrease in roles. So I think that I don't mind him staying in the minor leagues for now, um, especially with how our, our pitching's been going right now, but... I mean, he's an everyday starter for, I mean, once once he goes and stuff like that. But, man, like, he, he's just, he's a monster right now. And Monster's right. I mean, you think of his size. He's 6'6", 250, and uh, happened to see in his last start, I mean, this is going to get fans wanting him up here even more. He touched 101 with his fastball. Yeah. So, he well, is and just that's, incredible. That's the thing. Like, I think if you did bring him up, the, the case that you can make for him is when you look at the the – Guardians rotation right now, there's not a lot of guys that are just blowing up the radar gun. And I think if you go, and I touched on it before. Yeah, because we talked about this with Bybee right. last week. Yeah. So the thing is, if you go, you know, Bieber one day and then McKenzie, they're not guys. They're, you know, 92-94 range. So if you throw in a guy like with Williams, if he just comes in there and then the next day, like, face, you know, mid-90s, Two days in a row. Now you got to face ninety-seven, ninety-eight. It it's a whole different ball game in that perspective. So I think that's something that would really help his case. But I mean, again, I'm all for just kind of letting him chill right there in AAA and you know keep dominating, working on his craft. Because again, like next year, you're gonna probably see some moves. And I mean, I'm more than okay with him being a centerpiece moving forward in the future. I mean, we talk about. A couple of these pitchers, Gavin Williams and a couple of the guys up right now. You think Logan T. Allen, Peyton Battenfield, Tanner Bybee. I mean, you mentioned it. You got Bieber up right now. You have Quantrill up right now. Mackenzie and Savali are on the IL. Like Those are guys that when they come back, unless you're thinking about trading them, you can't fathom not having them in the MLB. I mean, Sticks was almost an ace last year. Right. And that's and that's kind of what my thought was, too. I mean, he just had a – especially in that latter half of the season, he was – I think he had at least one, if not a couple of those double-digit strikeout games. I mean, when he's on his rhythm, I'd put him against just about anybody in the in the, in the entire MLB. Yeah, so we talk about these pitchers. Obviously, Cleveland, an organization known for their pitching development, but like, where do these guys go? Like, You're looking at Bybee right now. You're letting him walk down to AAA again? Or you're looking he at can't. Logan T. Allen right now? You're letting him walk down to AAA? Like, those two guys especially, more so than Battenfield a little bit, are, they just look really good right now, and unless they start to tail off by the time, you know, McKenzie's ready, which of course he is on the sixty-day IL, you get some time. But 
Like, you have to throw your hands up in the air and I don't know what you – like, you either move one of them to the pen or you have to start thinking about a trade to get maybe a little more star power in the lineup or, you know, a prospect down the road with a bat in his hands. So here's my question then. Moving forward, it doesn't have to necessarily be this year at the trade deadline or it could be next year. Since we're lacking with the bats right now, with the Guardians, would you move off of someone like Bieber or McKenzie to get a bat in this lineup that could do damage? That's a great question. I mean, on paper, it's very, very tempting. It is a bit of a risk because, like, you just don't know if, like, one of these younger guys can have a fantastic start and then they just suddenly tail off. Like, it makes me think of somebody, again, like Zach Plesak. When he first made his way up here, he he was easily our number three pitcher. You could have maybe even argued number two, but just couple of injuries and you know I, I, th- I think he was in that kind of like off the field controversy briefly with uh, yep. Mike Clevenger who since moved to another team but I mean he's kind of like away from that now but like his performance you saw it drastically drop now I mean that's a risk with you you can have with just about anybody but I think it's safe to say like Shane Bieber and Tristan McKenzie are anchor pitchers but yeah when you got two of them if you think Gavin Williams can be that other ace caliber pitcher, then maybe you do do it. But I guess you say next, what kind of guy are you looking for? I mean, obviously, come on, somebody who's hitting like the ideal is, you know, you're hitting 300 and you're hitting like 30 home runs, 100 RBI, but those guys don't grow on trees. Right. But the right move would have to be made. You got to find the right package of compensation that you think is even or maybe in, maybe, you know, slightly in your favor. That's what you hope to get. Uh, that can you know, ultimately happen. But that's a great decision that when you get closer to the trade deadline, I think you might have some more clarity on what we might end up doing. Especially, too, if you get um, McKenzie back and you kind of see how he's going from, you know, coming back off the IR. Yeah, I mean, and you say those guys don't grow on trees. Those guys just don't grow in Cleveland. I mean, <laughs> <You're right. laughs> who, who do you get that's hitting 30 bombs in Cleveland? I'll answer it before you can. Nobody. Nobody, Nobody get, now. Yeah, no, no 30 home run guys. Maybe Jose. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, he'll, but that's pushing there. it. You need more. And even then, I mean, that's not what you want out I mean, it is what you want out of Jose, but it's not what you need out of him. He's going to hit you you know, need 280 plus. Else. Yeah, right. you need someone else in the lineup to do that damage as well, too. He's I mean, Jose's not a mainly power guy. He's more of a five-tool guy where he could play just about any role in that lineup. And uh, talking power guys... We got one uh, down in the notes here that we'd like to talk about. Logan, I know he's one of your favorite players because we, uh, we got to call him a little bit last year. A guy with absurd power and just strength overall. A massive dude. We're talking John Kenzie Noel, who's currently with the Columbus Clippers. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't say enough about him. When you got into last year, the start of the season, he was still listed at the size that he came into Lake County as. He was 6'1", 180. Um, yeah, that changed, and that changed fairly quickly. He's now 6'3", 250. He is a beast, to say the least. But in terms of that power, he's exi- he's what the major league team has been waiting for, but it's that it's that one weakness he's got right now, Jake. You know it too. It's the batting average. If he can just bump it up, even to something like two thirty five consistently, like that would do with the power that he's got. Because coming in today, 
He's hitting just 201, but he's got yep. seven home runs, 27 RBI. He just recently hit another mammoth shot that was like over 415 feet, I believe. Um, but he was definitely one of my favorite captains to see and like get to listen to and everything because I'm telling you, every fly ball this man hit at Classic Auto Group Park, we thought it was a home run. Every single fly ball. I don't care how high he hit it. You thought it was gone. And he's somebody, too, where uh, he's been a member of the 40-man roster for quite a while now, so he did get to go to spring training, uh, you know, kind of got to speak with Jose Ramirez a little bit because that's another thing with him. It's He doesn't quite have a set position. He's gotten reps in right field. He's gotten first base, third base, I think even maybe some left field as well. So, And obviously he does need a hitter because with that kind of power, you have to be there at some point. Uh, that's where I kind of would see him fitting in, more so a designated hitter. If you can polish him at first base, I think that'd be a great fit as well. I mean, you have somebody like Josh Bell. He, I think, what, like a two-year contract from, if I'm not mistaken? I so, believe so, yeah. I mean, that's a little more of a short-term thing. I don't know if it's going to get to be long-term. Um, I could see him being that kind of a similar player because he's somebody, too, where uh, he ended up saying that his favorite player of all time, without question, is Big Poppy David Ortiz. Yep. He's also from uh, Dominican Republic. He's from uh, San Pedro de Macari. I know that's kind of a random fact to know, but <laughs> I just happen to know it. Um, but he's somebody that miles his game off of David Ortiz. Miguel Sano, he also cited as you know one of his uh, favorite players, uh, inspirations for his game. But again, I think if he just hones in on that batting average, I think you've got something special with John Kenzie Noel. Well, and the thing that we talked about before, too, is Terry Francona likes guys that can play multiple positions and you can stick them around. Because, I mean, we see it with Aries right now. I mean, he's in right field. He's going all over the place and stuff. So I think that one that's going to help him a lot, being able to play different roles and stuff, especially, too. When you're 6'3", 250, I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen him live. Can he move? Like, is he like decent speed uh, at least? I, I, mean, I would say less so in the outfield. Probably, uh, you know, a little bit of a slower guy. He's got a cannon on him. But oh, that's yeah. okay. And, but he doesn't, he doesn't move so well in the yeah, outfield. He's not like. I mean, he's not. He's not going to be your mouse draw. I right. mean, obviously, but like, he's not. He's not going to do the home run track kind of like what Bartolo Colon did when he right. did his home run. But like, when he has to. He can have somewhat good movement, but I think he more than makes up for it with that cannon of an arm that he's got when well, he's in the outfield. And that helps, too. If you could play right field and you got that cannon, that's one aspect that we hit on uh, last week where it's just if you have a good arm in right field, kind of helps you get a little bit diversity as well, not just in right field, but you know could play third base and first. But the, you, you know what the funny thing is, too? I'm about to be 21 myself. Yeah. He's 21. Yeah. He's he's younger than me, but just like having, just like walked at you know the same ground level as him, and like I just look over at him, I'm like this guy's a monster. He doesn't look like he's 21. He looks like he's like 32 at this point. He's like, got like that kind of bill, but I mean, just have to say, like I I never really got to interact with him much myself. I mean, I didn't really ever, but just like from what I've seen and just kind of gotten to know, seems like real nice kid. Um, I've just seen, you know, a couple of like interviews that he's been able to do. Uh, seems like very humble. Um, I mean, he respects, you know, the players who've like played before him, and he's got like, you know, those inspirations that he's been able to have, and even just the fact that he's been able to this early on go to spring training with the major league roster and getting to talk with guys like Jose Ramirez, like that. That's a great opportunity, and he's able to take it in stride. Like I've said this, like you know. Ever since he's been in Lake County, I said as soon as he gets with the Guardians, I'm not 
I'm not somebody who really like splurges on jerseys a lot quite often, but You're getting out I said I'm getting his jersey at, like as soon as he gets up with the Guardian. So I'm hoping that's at some point soon. Uh, jersey number was a bit interesting. I think when he was in spring training, he was number 78. I mean, that's yeah. one of the more unique numbers. Whatever it is, I don't care. But when he when he gets up here, I'm hoping to don the jersey for sure. Currently 44 right now, okay. number 44. I think that's that's got to be partly too. Like with spring training, like they give kind of the, the you prospects. got everybody down. Yeah, there. you you just more of so give them the kind of like you what know, the later numbers. Yeah, but. it's like uh, kind of like what the New England Patriots. I think they still do it in their uh, training camp. No, that's kind of venturing into football. But like when like Mac Jones got drafted, he's yeah. like number 50. In the yeah. Some random, yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, and then also to kind of wrapping up on the wall, um, it, it, that's a power aspect that we're missing too. So yeah. if you could hone that in, it, it would help a ton for this lineup, and especially to diversity, power, helps a lot. Helps a lot in this lineup. I think just one more thing with him, he's got to cut down on the strikeouts. Yeah. He is he 42 is in 37 games. Such Yeesh. a boom or bust. Ooh. Either you know, either striking out or obviously hitting the long ball. Yeah, he he reminds me a lot of like you know Framil Reyes or I know oh, you've talked about it, uh, Ahmed Rosario right now, where it's yeah. just like if you throw a breaking ball in the other batter's box, the guy's fishing. Like <laughs> yeah, he's just going after. Like you're, it's all like you said, all or nothing. And uh, you did bring up that he was good in interviews, which reminds me of a story that I would be just baffled not to tell on this podcast. <laughs> Shoot, go uh, ahead. Is one that you and I are both going to remember okay. because it was when Bally's came into Lake County, okay, to do yeah, you know, some interviews with a couple of the higher prospects, mm-hmm. and John Kenzie being one of them, of course, Petey Halpin, smaller uh, center fielder that you had mentioned, um, that it was another one, Petey Halpin, that kid's awesome, yeah, he stands at a six foot two hundred pounds, so not quite John Kenzie Noel size, but uh, oh, I, I I know this now, <laughs> yeah, but Petey Halpin, easily one of the like biggest jokesters in the clubhouse. He looks like a classic California kid. He is a California kid, so, you know, but, like, really fits the mold. You know, longer blonde hair, just looks like he's going surfing. Right. Halpin comes out, and Bally's getting ready to record. They're just doing it up the first baseline. And he comes out to introduce himself, and he shakes everyone's hands, and he goes, Hi, John Kenzie Noel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he just, oh, yeah. like, that was, and me and Logan were basically in tears laughing because, what is like <laughs> makes yeah, yeah it's just like completely out of the blue kind of thing yeah he's just he's just out there like having the most fun with it and uh i thought it was really funny you know if you would have gone the other way if uh john kenzie would have came out you know oh pd help and that would have been a curveball or like i almost like just imagine when like pd said that you just have john kenzie walk up right behind him just towering right over but uh pd halpin is uh Center fielder, he's in Akron, uh, by the way. Super nice guy. Yeah. He's the guy that brings the fun energy all the time. Um, and, you know, last season even had an inside-the-park home run with Lake County, which is very cool. He was a mainstay center fielder. It was kind of unfortunate, though, in the Midwest League Championship Series. He kind of had not the series that he was looking to have. Um, but just – that's just – so many of these guys who were in Lake County got called up to Akron, and I'm just looking forward to seeing what they can do because there were there were quite a few who I really think can make it to the bigs, you know, within the next couple, like maybe two, three years. Yeah, and Halpin was a guy, too, that over the course of the season kind of had a roller coaster. He started not so hot, got really hot, and then, as you said at the end, kind of tailed off. But so far this year, hitting 241 in Akron. So, you know, out of a center fielder. That's more so known for what he does in the field than with the bat. Not too bad, and you know you expect him to kind of level out too. It's his 
first at bats in the double A level. So, so this is just somebody where I I wanted to bring him up just because he needs to be. I haven't really had the chance to follow single A Lynchburg very much because I know I mean we've touched just about all the levels of the farm system we've touched uh, Lake County obviously. Uh, Akron's your double A, Columbus is your triple A. But there is a kid in low A right now. Remember this name. His name is Nate Furman. He's 21 years old. He's an infielder. This tweet, I just saw this the other day. Like, I almost felt like I had to read it twice. Where this was this was from the 14th, so at the time of our recording two days ago. But, I mean, he's still on this tear right now. He, he was on a five-game hitting streak at that point. In 31 games, he reached base 72 times. That's, I mean, more 70, than twice a game. Yeah, more than yeah. twice a game. At that point, was hitting three fifty seven with a five twenty two on base percentage. I'm like, this is unbelievable, that kid. And not to mention, I'm just looking at uh, Guardians' perspective on Twitter. By the way, if you're looking for like minor league in terms of like different streaks and just like I follow too. updates yeah. uh, at CLE Guard Pro on Twitter, they do a fantastic job all throughout the farm system, just providing various updates on everything going on. Uh, I was just looking at a tweet that they sent 23 hours ago in terms of hits. He's got 35 hits in terms of his season. He scored 41 runs that leads the entire farm system for Cleveland. And stolen bases as well. I just saw it. Stolen bases uh, up to date so far, 23 of them. And Lynchburg, I think in their first like 30-plus games, they've stolen over 100 bases. And I think that, that might lead all minor league baseball. Well, get on the phone. Get this kid to Lake County. What are you doing? <laughs> right. No kidding. I'm kind of looking forward to perhaps maybe within the next month get getting to call him. And I'm at a point too where like I mean for all of us too, we're at that stage. It's it's really just weird to be quite frank. Where you know we were growing up watching all these levels of baseball and like these guys are so much older than us and it's like oh we're looking way up at you know these guys are but these guys are our age. I mean these are kids. They're even younger than us. Like. I got two players in Lake County who are regulars in their lineup. They're both 20 years old. You know how it feels, too, like (laughs) knowing that I'm a baseball player myself, and there are guys that are just, like, (laughs) blowing me out of the water right now. Like, I'm a contact hitter. I get it. I know my role. But, man, I see some of these guys. I'm like, I cannot compete against them, man. But, no, I mean, it's crazy to think like that. Like, I know I like maybe touching a little bit on football right now, but I did all the draft stuff this year. I'm, like, looking at it, and I'm, like, I'm, like, a month, like, younger than, like, Kayshawn Boutte. Like, it's insane. Like, I'm, like, this is the time of my career where it's just, like, I'm getting there on age, man. Yeah, and, I mean, we talked about John Kenzie Noel. Same age as us, pretty much. I guess July of 01. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, like. What are you? What are you supposed to do there? Dude comes in at six three two fifty, mashing balls nearly five hundred feet. It's unbelievable. Well, you can't compete with that. No. no, and I mean, I even think of like basketball too, because I mean, why not touch on that real quick? Evan Mobley on the Cavs. He's June of one. He's younger than me. Yeah, the yep. kid's seven feet tall. He's all NBA first team already. Yeah, like, he's, got, he's got me by two months, but uh, he's got me by you know an entire foot and. An insane amount of basketball skills. So, oh yeah, yeah. It's looking at yourself like, man, what am I doing with my career right <laughs> yeah. now? Well, hey, to be fair, being on mistake by the take, it's been, it's fantastic. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yeah. This is exactly where all those guys wish they were. You yeah. know? Right. Oh, yeah. Not of playing pro ball, but instead yeah. on a podcast with Jake Volnick and Dylan Felt. It's not like they're making millions of dollars or anything oh, like that. No. no, not at all. Well, I mean, about that. so are we, of course. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's not what my bank account says. Yeah, no, mine either. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. 
My band it, counts more of uh do I have enough to put gas in my yeah. tank to get here today? <laughs> well, yeah. Will I be able to film today? Yeah. <laughs> guys are all able to get here. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's right. all that matters. All that matters. Are we are we gonna get into our our Wednesday? There was before we go into oh, our Wednesday game. I got okay, one right. more guy to bring up before we get there. You're killing and me, man. I know, I know, me. but it's the guy that we're not gonna be able to touch too much on, so it won't go too long. I promise. But it's a guy who's technically on the Lake County roster right now, but we haven't seen him play a single pitch. That's because he's on the sixty day IL. We're talking first round draft pick last year, Chase DeLauder. Like just any insight you have on the kid, you know, I know he's dealing with an injury right now, but we talked about it. Bats are kind of middle of the pack. You know, if you need a, a boost, and especially in the home run department, that's your guy. Yeah, right. Um, you know, I haven't really gotten too much on him, um, obviously just because he's been injured, but uh, I know he had a decent college career, went to James Madison. Yep. Um I mean, I know football-related-wise, they really made their way up there, but, I mean, that, that has nothing to do with this year. But, I mean, a 16th overall pick, so you're going to be expecting big things from him. Uh, currently, technically, in our prospect rankings, he's in our top 10 right now, but just I haven't really mentioned him just because he's on the 60-day right. IL. So, like, you know, I mean, sure, there's a point in saying that. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm certainly hoping for big things from him, just, like, looking back at his college career at James James Madison. I mean, he's six foot five, two hundred thirty five pounds. Um, he uh, at at least listed on the James Madison website at this time says number eighteen on MLB Pipeline's top draft prospects. Um, you know, he uh, he's the highest draft pick in James Madison history. He was the first team All American in twenty twenty two by Perfect Game in terms of the preseason Baseball America preseason. Prospects live preseason, first team All American on all of those. Um, but yeah, I mean, he really uh, he's done a lot of good. He's third in single season batting average in program history this past year, four thirty seven. I mean, at the D one cool. college level, that yeah. is you are getting a hold of the baseball for sure. Uh, he had two grand slams uh, this past season. He also had a streak where he reached base safely in twenty straight. So somebody you can get on base a lot, and like you said, the long ball has definitely served him well. I just want to get a look at exactly how many he had, just to get a look at those college stats. Uh, okay, well let's see. They're they're giving me the game by games quite a lot, but he 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 played four seasons with James Madison, eighty games, had eighteen home runs for his career. Uh, ended up with a slugging percentage of seventy point four percent, which is I think very impressive. Thirty two doubles, four triples, one hundred and twenty two hits. Uh, I mean, I'm just gonna do some quick math here, just because I don't have the number in front of me. But in terms of his college career, he had one hundred and twenty two hits in three hundred and seven at bats. So that's ultimately batting average of three ninety seven. Yeah, that's crazy. And I remember like watching him because I try to like watch in on the guys that we we take and stuff like that in the draft. Um, I liked it, um, especially kind of having that power and all that. I think it's interesting of like the the perspective of like it's when you draft in the MLB, it's way different from when you draft in the NFL or the NBA because in the in the NF, in NFL NBA you're more of drafting of someone where it's just like an impact now, but really like it's a it's a big puzzle game because you're gonna have to look at. Okay, where are we at on our farm system? Not where we're at right now, but, you know, he's a guy where it's just like, he is going to make an impact eventually, but, like, it's just not right now, I think. I like this swing coming out of college. Smooth, nice, rhythmic swing. Um, 
I, you know, he could hit the long ball. And again, that's something where it's just like we lack right now, at least. But in a couple of years, that's going to help a lot. And so we talk about like earlier how we say like, oh, you know, we need that power bat at some point. Eventually, he could potentially be that guy that comes up. But I mean, yeah, I, I was excited by it. It was it was a little weird thinking like, okay, James Madison, like kind of out of nowhere and stuff like that. But I mean, overall, I, I, I liked him. I think eventually he will be an impact guy for us in the future. And I, I think too, I think I failed to mention this. Also, 86 RBI in 80 games. I mean, I'd say that's a pretty good uh setting to have they're averaging over an RBI game on base percentage over 50 percent and he sold 26 bases in those 80 games too so I guess you know not afraid to do that too something I could not help but notice either on his college stats on James Madison's website here when he went a little two-way he did a little bit of pitching now kind of dwindled down as he went further in his career in fact in 2023 didn't pitch at all but I you never know with these things. You need an emergency pitcher. I know John Carroll Baseball knows a thing or two about that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You, oh, put, yeah. you put your starting shortstop in to close the deal to win a conference championship. That was just unbelievable. I mean, I'm sure you guys are touching on that at least at some point. If not, probably on a streaks talking sports oh, tonight. Oh, yeah, we're going to hammer there. that one. Um, yeah. But uh, in in terms of that pitching, went 1-3 in, in 10 appearances, 564 ERA. I mean, batting average opposing of 266 and struck out 19. I mean, I, I'm guessing you're not going to see him pitch at all. You never know with these things, though. Hey, if we're but, getting dominated by a team or hey, we're like on. crushing a team by like 20 or something like that, might as well just throw them in, get some innings. To you know? be fair, with a captain's game, uh, it was this past series or two, two series ago against Fort Wayne. I think it was like a four to one or five to one game. It was it was it was a fairly close game, but we put in our catcher, one of our catchers to pitch. We put in meet Kyle Ramirez to pitch. He did pitch a scoreless inning though, to be fair. But again, yeah, you, you never know with these things. But I'm certainly wishing him all the best. I'm hoping I get to call some action with him before the season's over, and I'm com- I'm fairly confident that we can. I don't know exactly what the injury situation is, but I'm really hoping that I get to because a first rounder with this kind of hype. I mean, who wouldn't want to get to see him? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And just kind of talk, Mikhail, was he throwing more of like a, a 90s guy or was he like Oh, 55? definitely not. It, yeah, it, okay. Fine. I'd probably give him 65 maybe. Okay. I mean, I mean, they were all they they were all the same pitch. He certainly let up a, you know, a couple of fly balls or two, but scoreless inning, you know. Like, <laughs> that's all you got. Yeah, yeah, you got to give it to him. That's yeah. that's that's ultimately what you're looking for there. Pretty well, funny. there you go. But uh Hey, enjoying this edition of Mistake by the Take? Never miss an episode by hitting the follow button on the podcast and by dropping a follow on our social medias. That's at Mistake by the Take on Instagram and at MBTT Pod on Twitter. Again, at Mistake by the Take on Instagram and at MBTT Pod on Twitter. Thanks a lot. And now, back to the show. That we kind of wrapped up on most of the guys we wanted to talk about, so we're going to go into a, a bit of a game that we play. It's a Wednesday staple for us. It's called This or That. Okay. Okay, so we're going to present you with two and at some points maybe three options. Oh, okay. And you're going to hear this specific one we're going to be talking about, prospects ranked highly in the organization compared to guys on the MLB roster who maybe not playing quite as hot. And we're going to have sure. you decide that right now, or at least this season, Impact-wise, would you rather have the prospect up and playing or the guy that's currently on the roster? We'll all go around, give our takes, kind of we'll talk it out, 
Okay. Nothing, uh, nothing too formal. We'll just kind of no. throw it around. I'm sure um, me and Dylan will get heated. Logan, feel free as well to get your opinion out there. <laughs> okay. sure. um, but it's a classic one from Dylan and I to start because right. we're talking Bo Naylor or Cam Gallagher. And I'll just save Dylan and I the time to start. We're both going Bo Naylor. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything else other than Bo Naylor because if you haven't listened uh, to last week's uh, Friday episode where we talked guards check in, I did have a little bit of a rant there. Um, yeah, Bo Naylor, and it should be Bo Naylor at some point this year. I mean, I I, I kind of just want Bo Naylor. I mean, you have to consider, too, you called him up in the postseason last year. Mm-hmm. Your, your roster is even more limited. You called him up. Now, I, I don't think he played. From what I remember, maybe a game. Think he did. I think he touched the field, but he it was like might've. really, really limited. Yeah, yeah. no, but uh, but like this season in AAA, I mean, already 37 games. Naylor's hit 256, nine home runs, 32 RBI. He's got seven doubles. We need a hitting catcher. I can't think of like the last consistently good hitting. I'm I'm going to say full time catcher because maybe you put Carlos Santana in that mix. He really made the move to first base. I need mean, to think back to. Victor Martinez. I no. mean, that was when that There's was when we were. That's <laughs> yeah. when we were kids. Yeah. Um, I, I I think it's something we really need, and it's something that our better teams have been founded on a, a decent offensive catcher. I mean, go go back to the '90s. Your first base coach, Sandy Alomar, he was one of the premier offensive catchers in, when he was playing. I mean, he had. I think he might have went to a hitting streak that ventured over 20 games at a point. But, um, I think a good offensive catcher will definitely serve you well especially in that bottom part of the lineup well and i think it's too um first thing uh eight at bats last year that's all he got so okay yes, yeah barely grazed the field but like i said earlier too you need this league is shifting into an offensive based league um you know in the past we've seen like pitchers dominating and stuff like that um the braves that's one team in the 90s that really comes to mind but it's it's a new generation of baseball and if you don't have one through nine rolling through your lineup, it gets you're not going to be at the very top. I mean, you look at the teams like the Yankees; all of those guys can hit. It's at least hit for power, right? At Where least hit for power. One yeah. guy can Something. make the difference. Yes, and so I think if like bringing up Bo Naylor, we you don't really need. There's no one else filling the void right now. So it's not like you're going to be like sending them every other game or something like that and not giving them the reps. He's going to take the reps at some point because Zanino has proven that he has not been doing what we signed him to do. So I think that, I mean, I can't stress it more. Like, you got to just play him at some point. And your plan is in the future to be an everyday guy. Well, then try to at least make it now. And if he doesn't, go ahead, send him back down. But you got to give him the chance at least. Two other things with Bo Naylor that kind of stick out to me. One, Kid's young. He's got so much potential on the way. He's just 23 years old. I mean, you look at somebody like Cam Gallagher. I mean, he's 30 years old, but I mean, he's still a veteran presence to have. And I know that. I mean, it's kind of a cliche saying, but it still it still holds true. Uh, but this season, Cam Gallagher. Do you want me to say the batting average? Oh no, I Should want I you to even? say it. Because okay, we're going to say it. okay. Cam Gallagher this season. I mean, just 15 games, but still, for me, I think it, it's got it's got to be better than this in the, in the major leagues. It's not a typo. .051 in 15 games. Yeah, Logan, he has 39 at-bats. He has two hits. 
Oh, I think he's on the stretch of something like 0 for 28. Oh, man. Not acceptable. No, not at any level. Is that that ever okay? You can forget about veteran presence. I don't care if you're 106 and you could give me the keys to the World Series. If you're hitting 0 51, (laughs) get off my roster. Oh, that's rough. And that's the thing, too. He's 30 years old. Like, there is no, like, okay, maybe he's going to blossom into something, you know? No. There's, like, he's had a career 459 at-bats in a total average of 224. That's not going to be that guy that you're looking for, okay? Especially at the age of 30, it ain't there anymore. And you just need to move off of it. You need to go younger. Try something new. I say it every week. The definition of insanity Keep repeating the same thing and expecting a different result. That's Einstein. Yep. And that's exactly what you're doing. It is insanity to be trying these different guys in the same spot, and it just makes no sense. Yeah, you know, and I mean, it's not getting too much better when you look at Mike Zanino, who's even older. He's 32. He, I mean, he had one decent series in the opening series against Seattle. That That's about it. He's hitting one, 173 in 27 games. Sure, he's got two home runs, seven RBI, 12 walks. All right, but uh, something else with Bo Naylor, too, I just think of the chemistry, like the kind of chemistry you can have. For one, he was with the team a bit in the postseason last year. But also, too, just how great of just a story is it alone, just the fact that you could probably, we're hoping it's probably some point soon, where you can have two brothers full-time starting in the same lineup. I mean, that that's just great. I have a little bias myself because my older brother, Luke, he graduated from uh, John Carroll here as well. Uh, he's currently working in the baseball information uh, department with the Guardians right now. So, I mean, I'm trying to feed him anything I know about the captains. Right. I don't know right, who might be here soon or who knows when. But then, you know, he's uh, helping me with any kind of research that I, I do as well. But just... Uh, I think that brother relationship, that's something special that I mean that that's a that's a that's a storybook kind of thing. And if you can maybe win a championship with that, oh boy. I, I, I just have to say you're not having that conflict where like, you know, you're looking at uh the big game in the NFL where you had uh Travis Kelsey, Jason Kelsey on different teams, the parents got a root for both, you know. Right. For the Naylor family, you got both brothers on the same team. I mean, that's just special. But I mean it's it's very much deserved too. I mean, Josh Naylor, boy, that guy. <laughs> yeah. Is has he established a nickname, Mister Eighth Inning Home Run? I think he kind of should. Yeah, oh, like, I see it mis- all the time on Mr. Mister yeah. Eighth Inning. What's he like? First player since at least sixty one. I mean, nineteen sixty one, where he's had a com- a go ahead home run in the eighth inning. That's just un- in three straight games. That's unbelievable. But. That's got to be a Luke stat, isn't it? It, it, it definitely that, was. A Luke that stat. actually yeah, was. Luke you yeah. you've <laughs> seen that. You've seen that before. Uh, that definitely was a Luke stat, or at least so, something involved with him. I'm, I'm not sure if he specifically pulled it, but he's certainly involved in that. He definitely probably did. But uh, I mean, I, I I will just say, quite many of the stats that you end up watching, you say you watch the game on TV, and you have those like stat graphics show up. Quite a bit of those are my older brothers. So I mean, shout out to him and his entire uh, baseball information team there at the Guardians. They do a fantastic job. Yeah, we'll make sure to plug in both of your guys' socials. Okay, the well, yeah, yeah. there you go with that. For uh, sure. For sure. And then, I, yeah, again, just, you know, with Bo and Josh, it's deserved because Bo Naylor is definitely performing at that minor league level. I think he deserves a shot soon. Yeah, and if we're talking, by the way, just he's probably his biggest issue is going to be defensively. Sure. He's not known for being a defensive catcher, but guess what? We talked about it. It's an offensive league right now. The bases got bigger. Steals are way up. And if you think you're sacrificing anything defensively in this scenario— Mike Zanino, 
Do Five for thing. 29 on throwing out runners. Uh-oh. Not exactly uh, a one right there. That's not, not what you're looking for out of your guy. He's also committed an error behind the plate. Cam Gallagher, one for 15. Mm. So you're not getting any worse than that. I mean, it's time. Let's, if, it's time. If I have to go on Twitter and see another video of Mike Zanino, like a ball just flying past him on a, like a dirt ball, I'm going to scream because this is ridiculous. Like it's like, okay, yeah, we expected that part maybe, but we didn't expect the bat part. So no, I, I bow nailer, mark it, pretty pretty clear. If you're gonna do one thing bad, you got to do another thing good, and that's pretty much no catcher in the organization right now. Correct. At yeah. the major league level, I should say, not at the organization. But mm-hmm. we'll go on to the next one. Uh, bring back an, an old guy that we talked about in this uh, this episode. Go to a pitcher. Gavin Williams or Peyton Battenfield? Go ahead, Logan. Uh, well, you know, I kind of need to just get at least a closer look at Peyton Battenfield's stats. I don't know if you guys have him on hand right now. I'll probably just get a quick look here, too. But, I mean, I know he's he's had at least one good start this year, maybe two. Uh, forgive me for asking again. I think we got him in a trade, right? Battenfield? Oh. I think it was. I I believe it was. I know he was season deal last year. Yeah, I know he was on Columbus last year. Okay, he was actually a guy who I lobbied for for the guards to call up at some point, just because. Okay, I thought he was really MLB ready. He wasn't going to be you know the top guy, but I do believe I can confirm for you here in just a second. But I do believe he was. uh, He's acquired in a trade. I mean, it may or may not be biased just because we were, you know, keeping up with him last year. But just seeing that Battenfield's 0-4 with a 445 ERA, I mean, stats maybe don't tell the whole story. And, I mean, I get that for just about any player. But I probably have to go with Gavin Williams just because just seeing what he's been able to do and the potential that he has, I'm telling you, that, that guy could be your ace very well in the next two years. I mean, I know we got Bieber and McKenzie, but I think he's got that kind of potential to end up being a mainstay starter, um, but it's just a matter of can he can he keep the good momentum rolling, kind of like his uh, good friend Tanner Bivey was able to. If he is able to, then you definitely have a stud pitcher on your way. Um, you were correct. He was in the deal for Jordan Luplo, actually. Oh, that's right. That one was yep. it, um, coming in from the Rays. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to take my perspective on this is I'm going to go with Williams um, because here's the thing. Right now, I'm not too high on Battenfield. I know we talked about it um, last episode where he's more – he is struggling. Out of the three that we really kind of like hit on, Bybee, Logan T. Allen, and Battenfield, he was the one that I was a little bit shaky about. And the thing is then if you're going to go – again, this is a fringe guy, which is perfect. You have so much depth with the pitching right now where Battenfield eventually is probably going to be either just a bullpen piece or something else in the future. He's not going to be in that starting rotation, in, in my in my opinion. But if you're going to try a different arm out, then you got to go with Gavin Williams at this point because, I mean, he's very highly touted. Um, the dude can just chuck. And I think that bringing a different kind of arm style into the equation would help a lot. And again, like I don't, you're you're both in a situation where it's just like I don't think Battenfield's going to be solidified in that starting rotation. So why not try to bring in Gavin Williams, get a little bit of experience here and there, and then eventually moving forward, like 
next year he's going to take that starting role and be a piece in in the starting rotation. Yeah. And you're hitting great points, and it's actually the exact reason I'm going to go the other way. Okay. (laughs) Great. I'm going to go Peyton Battenfield, and not because I think Battenfield's a better pitcher than Williams, but because of that logjam that we have at the top right now. Yeah. If you give it to Williams right now, you let him go pitch in the majors, either realistically you're trading away one of your major pieces to keep him in the rotation because there's just not room, or at that point then you're sending down Tanner Bybee, who has looked pretty good and is already up there right now, who clearly you had ahead of Williams if you're going to put him, you know, starting before you go to Gavin Williams at the major league level. So if you're just going to end up sending him down or you think you can move him to the bullpen, which I think would be an abysmal idea, what what's the point of sending him up at that point, right? Like, you're just going to move the guy around, get him uncomfortable. You could destroy his confidence if he goes up there for just a start or two and struggles and then get sent right back down. I mean, at that point, why not just have it be Battenfield, a guy who's not pitching awful. It's not like he's doing bad. He's just going to be a back-end-of-the-rotation guy, and given injuries, he could stay there. Yeah, I guess I look at it more of just like I don't think it hurts to throw him in a couple of games here and there because I think you can only do so much damage when you're doing just pitching against AAA guys because, I mean, at some point you're going to have to face that. And if you do end up eventually moving off of one of those big names in your rotation, he's going to eventually have to step up and you need someone like him to step up. So if he has a little bit of experience, I mean, even if it's one or two starts, it kind of helps him going forward into the next season. I'm all for if you're going to move off the guy, by the way, uh, one of your major pieces, if you're going to trade him, then send him up. But you got to trade him. Like you have to keep Williams in the rotation at that point, so it's got to be a trade this year. But if you're not planning on doing that, which I don't see, then I'd rather stick Battenfield. Yeah, and I think that's something fair to think about, too. Again, it's that mindset of you don't want to rush him in. And I like your point there, Jake, of if he has a rough start, maybe two, like, are, are you just going to send him back down? And like that confidence level is going to uh, definitely be on the lower part of the scale. Um, that's something to be uh, considered for the youngster Gavin Williams. I mean, I'm I'm looking at Battenfield's starts here. Like he really only had two rough goes. Unfortunately for him, most recently was it's probably got to be his worst start of the season. I mean, six innings against Detroit, but he let up seven hits, five runs, four earned. He struck out four. But I mean that that start before against the Twins. I mean, you're di- the divisional leader, and I probably got to say your biggest rival right now. He dominated. I mean, seven innings, two hits, two earned runs. I mean, sure he let up a home run, but he struck out seven. I mean, you lost that game, but. When you're letting up two and runs to a team as good as the Twins, like you kind of need your offense to give you some slack. That certainly can't be helping him either. No, I mean, he has gotten awful run support. Yeah, There's no way around that. I mean, Dylan and I, at that Wednesday game against the Tigers, ended up making it out there. A uh, little bit of a rough watch. He that was a, brutal. Did you guys yeah. stay the whole time? Or you... We did. We did. We did. We All are... right, good. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to... Gotta be loyal. Yep. I mean, like, what do you? That, what that, else are you gonna do on fair. a Wednesday afternoon too? Do a do an episode of uh, Mistake by Day. Well, don't worry, we also <laughs> did that. We did that. Of course, we actually of did course, that. Of course, of course. And it was funny. It was funny because we went to the gate and then we came back here and we filmed it. We got our anger out and then we just left. We we're like, okay, we're done. I guess you know that's so. I guess that's one. That's one way to vent. I mean, when yeah. you when you're able to get here, you <laughs> use the microphones. Why not? Yeah. Oh yeah, we uh we get our frustrations out plenty. Oh so. for yeah, sure, sure. Uh, so there goes that one. We'll uh, we'll move on. This is probably going to be the most uh, niche one, probably the 
one that a viewer would least likely hear. But on the major league level, it's going to be David Fry. But for the minors, we're going to be talking Micah Priese. He's a guy who spent some time with spring training with the guards. He's up with AAA Columbus right now. He was mashing the ball last season. Fry, a guy who also was hitting very well in AAA, just got called up. A bit of a slow start, but not much to go off of there in the majors either. Um, I'm probably going to go with David Fry on this one. Uh, I think that, again, it's a it's a niche one, like you said. I don't think there's much of a difference here. Um, I was kind of looking at the batting averages. Right now, uh, Prius is hitting 237 in the minors this season. And then in the minors for Fry, he was hitting 289. Not much of a difference. I think, honestly, at this point, I kind of was just like, you know what? Fry's a little older. He's 27, and um, Prius is 25. I kind of just gave it to as an experience thing, more of, because I don't know really. You could go either way in this one. So I kind of just did a toss-up, and I went with Fry. Uh you know, I think I might stick with you there for now just because, I mean, David Fry hasn't really had much opportunities The sample yet. size, is the, it's not there for yeah, either right, of them. right. No, I mean, like, I mean, Fry, Fry's only gotten to play in four games. I mean, he's one, he's one for six with a walk. Um, but I just remember, so, Jake, when you and I used to uh, intern with Lake County last season, we ended up doing... We called it our Cleveland Farm Report. So in the middle of the third inning, whoever was producing here in the radio studio, we, we'd end up just like going through the entire organization and you know just give an update. Okay, how are they doing tonight? What are they doing overall? Micah Priest's name we said a lot, and for good reason too. I mean, he was the mid he or I almost said Midwest League. I mean, that's me calling a lot of captains games. Um, he was the Eastern League Player of the Month in June of 22. He was an MILB organization All Star for the Guardians last season. Now, this is a lot of last season stuff, not so much of this season, but if you want to just think about why we're having this debate, last season with Akron, he had a great season. I mean, he struck out a lot, but other than that, 18 homers, 73 RBI. He hit 266, which I think is pretty serviceable. He stole 20 bases, too, but uh, this season, a little bit of a colder start. He's hitting 237, three homers, 11 RBI. He does have seven doubles, though, to his name. Uh, strikeout rate seems to... I guess be about the same. I mean, he struck out 34 times in 36 games. Um, but I I still just think with David Fry, maybe just give him a little bit more of a chance. Probably give him, like, another two weeks or week or two. I mean, I, I don't know, depending on what uh, Tito has in mind in terms of his rotation. Then maybe we get more of a gauge. Both of them in terms of age, a little bit up there, Dylan. I think you touched on it. I mean, yep. uh, David Fry is currently 27. Uh, Mike Capri is not, not too far behind. He's uh, 25 years of age. Um but again, yeah, I think just let Fry kind of pan out a little bit more, then maybe we get a, a little bit of a better picture. Well, I'll be the boring one, guys. It's I'm right there with you. I'm I'm going to stick with David Fry. I think he hasn't had much of opportunity. And the reason I paired these two guys together, by the way, two guys that can really hit the ball and two guys that can move around the field. They're both potential first basemen. Fry also played some third, also behind the plate. Prius can move into the outfield when asked. He's played left, right, and center last year. He did go into center for a game. Not where you're going to typically see him, but he's just a guy I think people should really keep their eye out for. I think he's not a guy that's, again, ranked really highly as a prospect, but getting up there in age, he has hit the ball pretty well. He's going to be a guy that you probably see slot in at some point, and that'll probably be more of a 
you know, sink or swim moment for one of your prospects. It's you throw him up. If he thrives, great. If not, you trade him away, you DFA him, you cut him, whatever you got to do. Kind of like an Oscar Gonzalez. Exactly. That's thing. exactly the situation I think he was in last year. Yeah. Was this exact situation that you probably see Fry in right now and that you'll see Mike in later because it's just not that high up. You're getting up there in age and it's, what are you going to do for me? It was with Gonzalez just, you know, he's flashed it. He went off and now he's going to stick around the organization for at least a little bit, even just if it's with AAA right now. And that's what you said too, that the age has an impact on it. If you haven't, if you're getting your first career bats at 27, that's kind of an indication of like, hey, we don't really see a role for you right now. If you pop, great, we'll keep you. But other than that, I mean, no, I I, I agree. Way to, way to pick a boring one. Jay. Hey, you Good know, you got to have those one. every once in a while. Yeah. Well, I have to be fair, you know, talking about your at-bats at a late age, what about the guy Drew Maggi with the Pirates? Yeah. yeah. Better link than never, right? I'm trying to get how old he is. I thought baseball reference would give me the birthday right away. I guess not, but he's got to be up there, right? Or maybe not as much as I thought. I mean, looks like May 16th of 89. Okay, yeah, he is definitely up there. 34 years old. Oh, my God, yeah. 89? Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's well, 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 look, well, well, look, see, like, see, when I was a kid, you know, playing, like, anywhere, MLB 2K, MVP Baseball, you see, oh, yeah, the guy's born in, like, 89, and he's, what, like, 20-something, but now you're born in 89, 34. We're, we, I don't know about you guys, but, like, I feel like I'm getting old. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, you want an interesting stat? I was just looking at rosters up and down the organization prepping for this uh, this podcast, and the guards right now on the active roster, pitching-wise, not a single guy born past 1995. Oh, my gosh. I mean, like, it's older than me, don't get me wrong, and by, you know, six years, they're older, but you're, the you're, not, even, you're not even 30. You're the Cleveland youngins. Yeah, like, I mean, that was really our thing last year was – we're younger than a bunch of AAA teams, right? But yeah. That's that's nuts. I mean, Man. 1995 is your oldest pitcher on the staff. Wow. I'm going to make it Is that is that Bieber? Uh Bieber is there's a couple of guys who are in that 1995 range. Okay. I don't remember who's yeah. Uh, exactly the oldest, but Bieber is one of the 95s. Wow. I they, do remember that. They didn't even see the, yeah, they didn't even see the 95 World Series or anything. That's crazy. Nope. They, and they're like, they did, and, they're just like babies. <laughs> they're babies. They don't even remember it. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Man. Yeah. Crazy stuff. I just, I had that one and I was just looking because I kept looking at the dates of guys that were born. I was like, hold on, like 95. Is there one past this? And there just wasn't. I'm going to guess is, is Zunino probably the oldest guy in the roster, 32? Yeah, anybody um, older? I want to say yes off the top of my head. I don't want to check that. Let me look into that. Maybe I'll yeah. get back to you on that. Why the question then becomes why do the like all Cleveland teams I got it up right now, by the way. Zanino the oldest on the Oh, there you go. Okay, yeah. There you go. Just a year older than Cam Gallagher in terms of year wise, ninety one to oh, ninety two. Yeah. And that's your two guys behind the plate. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's not a good sign if your oldest guys are behind the plate <laughs> no. either. What? You got to move a lot. You're taking right. all the pitches and everything. Got to block them. No kidding. Yeah, but it's interesting. Like Cleveland has like this philosophy of just like let's go after young guys with a lot of potential and see if they can blossom. We've seen it with the Browns and how they draft. We've seen it with the Cavs and just their their lineup itself. And now with the Guardians, just being a really young team. And I think it's moving forward. You're going to have to. Get some guys in there with a veteran perspective. I know, like the Cavs did that with Donovan Mitchell, and the Browns did it with a Deshaun Watson deal. But I mean, it's just it, it's an interesting philosophy how it's not only just in one sport; it's in with all of the teams in Cleveland. I think that's part of the thing too. When you're not like a New York 
especially this more so baseball and basketball, you got a little bit more flexibility with the cap, I think. But when you're just not a big market and can't go spend that money, you got to look for, again, it's guys playing above their money value, right? If you get a young guy on a cheap deal who's playing above, that's how you make you know championship runs when you can pay other people money and get high money production out of guys barely making anything. Yeah. But uh, we'll, uh, we still got two more to go, so we'll jump into those. This one, I'm going to preface it by saying we should be talking end of the year for this one because the guy we're going to talk about struggled with getting on the field to start this year. He's only appeared in three games. We're talking about outfield powerhouse, top of the prospect rankings, George Valera. And we're going to put him up against another left-handed outfielder, Will Brennan. Um, I think for now... This is kind of a case where it's you need to go with more of a guy that can play now and you don't want to rush anyone. So I'm going to go with Will Brennan because he has a little bit of experience under his belt. I Coming into the season, I loved Will Brennan. I thought there was a lot of potential, and I still think there is still a lot of potential with him. Right now, he is struggling batting 193. It's He's going through the skid right now. Um, in the past seven games, he's hitting 200, only three hits and 15 at-bats, uh, four strikeouts. He does have a stolen base, but I think you're going to base this one off of just – we've seen it before in Will Brennan, um, especially in the minor leagues, where he has the potential to be an everyday starter, in my opinion. And I think for now he is serviceable, um, but if, if it does continue – I would say probably switch to Valera, but overall, I mean, right now you don't want to you don't want to rush Valera into that situation. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm gonna have to go with Will Brennan on this one. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna probably go Will Brennan too. Um, especially George Valera just coming off the aisle. I think it was this past week he uh, came off of there. Um, but I am somebody who was going to say that you weren't gonna have a minor league. You know, Guardians episode of Mistake by the Take without mentioning George Valera because he's somebody I can really see him as being like a five tool player. Um, he's somebody who uh, there was an article I think from I think it was from the Athletic last year. I don't have the exact reference on me, but it was somebody like saying that he may be the most hyped outfield prospect we've had since Manny Ramirez, which I think those are those that's big high shoes. Right oh there, yeah. yeah, I mean that's someone who's getting inducted into your Hall of Fame later this year for the Guardians, um, but. I can definitely see it. Um, I mean, it's something that I think we've said with quite a few guys, but it's just the way that they play. He's just a fun player. He he, he He's out there having fun playing a game, which I think is just great to see. Uh, he's got some, some of the unique bat flips sometimes, you know, kind of get the crowd into it. I know a couple of the former captains, uh, broadcasters actually, they kind of said that they started their own George Valera uh, bat flip fan club or something like that, which I just thought was like, kind of funny. Uh, one of them I think still has in like his uh, Twitter bio. Now. I mean, he's not with the captains at, at the moment, but I think he still got that in there. Cause so he's definitely a fun a fun player, and he's certainly fun to watch. Like l- l- last season with Columbus and Akron combined, so he got the call up to AAA last season. Uh, combined played 132 games. That's the equivalent of a full minor league season. And, boy, did he do well. 25 doubles, 24 homers, 82 RBI. He hit 250. did not really run much. He stole two bases and six tries, but the one big thing, and it's the same thing I say with John Kenzie Noel, it's the strikeouts. 132 games, he struck out 145 times. So that's something that's really going to need some work. Um, but 
He's somebody that I can't wait to see get up here because I think he's going to fit in quite well, and he could maybe be that uh, potential mainstay outfielder. He's listed in right on MILB, but I'm sure that can change. I mean, you look at the Guardians outfielders now, like unless you're Stephen Kwan playing in left or Miles Straw playing in center, you, you kind of fluctuate. Like Brennan, you kind of see move back and forth. Oscar Gonzalez kind of gets moved to different places. Will Brennan, though, Again, Sony with postseason experience, and I really value that highly. I mean, when you were consistently starting against the New York Yankees in a very big playoff series, I think that's something that's got to get credit where it's due. Uh, this season, again, a little bit of a struggle for him right now. He's under the Mendoza line, but he does have four doubles, a home run, 10 RBI. Uh, he had that one game a while back. He, I think he had like like a, like a game-saving catch and like a go-ahead hit. It was a Sunday game uh, in like extra innings. I no, he didn't walk it off. I think that was the game where like we we got it on like a walk off RBI ground out or something. It was yeah, like, against the and Yanks, like yep. uh, yeah. Jose Ramirez had like that, that the like funny slide that's like still the Guardians. Um, oh yeah, Josh Bell Twitter banner to this ball. day. Yeah. But I think I think Brennan too again. There's some of that with the more timing. He's only played in 45 regular season games and you know a few more in the postseason. But give him a full season, I think, and you're really gonna have a better idea. I was struggling who to go up against with George Valera right here, and I simply picked Brennan because it's a lefty bat. But I'm going to go Valera and not because I want to see Brennan put down. Again, I just didn't know who to rival him against. Like, if you want to send down an infielder and send up Valera, that's fine by me. But, again, end of the year, if Valera's – this is dependent on his stats. If he's hitting anywhere near 250 and putting out the same production, I mean, put this guy up. I – he hits bombs. Yes, he does. What do you need more than that? I'll tell you right now, nothing with this lineup right now. You need a guy that hits for power, plays a good outfield, strong arm. Logan, you said it, five-tool player. You can't. I mean, he's 22. He's still got time, but you can't wait that much longer on him. No, and I, I agree. I think I a lot of my philosophy behind this one was there is potential behind Will Brennan, and I want to see it if it can get to that point but I mean like you said if he's not hitting over the Mendoza line um, I'm talking about Will Brennan by like you know July or something like that that's when you're going to have to start seeing questions of okay let's see if we can get another lefty bat in there like like you said the power guy and see if he could do some damage for you and then at that point you would say we don't we're not really rushing him too much in that sense you know he is 22 but I don't know. It's 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 a toss up. It was a good one. I think it all depends on how the Will Brennan plays in these the next couple months. Also, just had to mention too, uh, George Valera along with John Kenzie Noel this past season. They were the two representatives at the All Star Futures game. So those are if there's like two names, I'd say along with Gavin Williams, who I'd probably say are just the most hyped players. I'd say right now in terms of the Guardians uh, system, you probably go with those three. Maybe if you have a fourth, you say uh, the guy, uh, what did I say, uh, Nate Furman, I think his name is, yeah. with uh, Lynchburg, that's probably another one maybe too. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's some really highly touted prospects. I, I think for just for those first three in particular, I think it's just a matter of time. It's going to happen, but, you know, some of the fans might want it early, but I think especially just with, like, the player development that we've done, our front office, I think, knows exactly what they're doing. Thank so you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with whatever they have in, in mind in terms of that front. All right, we got our last one, and this is going to be the three-player one. I'm not asking you to pick the player that you want, but instead we're picking the player that you 
don't want to be called up and stay in the majors right now because there's three, and I think two of these guys have to stay. It's middle infield depth. We're talking Brian Rocchio. That's your minor leaguer. Tyler Freeman and Gabriel Arias. So we're picking the one that we don't want to get called up. Yeah, the guy who you would, if you had two guys on the roster for the Guardians, this would be the one who doesn't fit in. Okay, then I'm gonna go. This one's kind of. I can tough. take the lead if you want. Go ahead. You're go really ahead. making yeah. a sink yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, because I put, in, I put in a guy that I think out of the best in that perspective. So I mean, go ahead. I want to. I want to hear. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and rock with Brian Rocchio, and not because I think Rocchio is bad. Because I think next year, probably a guy that starts on this roster, just at the major league level, but he spent a lot of his time down in Double A last season. Wasn't exactly a clipper for very long. And then you get Freeman, who is pretty much, I mean, one of the best hitters on the team right now, unfortunately, because nobody can hit. But he's also showing, you know, give the guy his flowers, showing up a little bit and coming through in some big moments and very limited play. And then Arias, struggling with the bat in his hands, but the versatility he gives, again, it's so deep. You could have him in the lineup at pretty much any position at any time. I mean... He can play short, second, first. Now you see him out in right field, and by the way, a cannon in right field. That guy skipped in some throws that had my jaw dropped because he's so much smaller than a lot of guys you see out there and same arm power. But, yeah, I'm going to go with Rokio just based on time on this one. Yeah, I'm going to go with Rokio on this one too. Um, I think Freeman right now has been one of the it's, – it's a small sample size with them, but he has been a very consistent hitter for the Guardians, um, batting 364 in the year right now. Um, and then Ari's like, the thing is with him, yeah, the bat's not there right now, but you touched on it. The versatility is there. You could stick him in many different places, and I think the arm does help a ton in the sense of, you know, you could stick him out in right field and play that role because in a right fielder you want a cannon of an arm to make that throw to third. So I think that Aries will stay, but Rocchio, like like you said, he doesn't have the the experience at the MLB level right now, which I think, like you said, this this is a guy that could be a starter for us next year. So with the depth right now that we kind of have in these areas, I think you might as well just keep Rocchio down and just make sure he develops a little bit more so then when due time you can have him come up and play. I think I'm going to probably be just jumping on the same uh, path that you two went on. I think just because, again, I'm I'm really high on our player development that our uh, front office has been able to put together, you know, especially over these past probably five years or so, if not longer than that. Um, with Tyler Freeman, he's, again, he's, he's only playing 29 games. So, I mean, I... I don't know. I'm probably using the one season mark or the at least something close to it as kind of like that benchmark of, okay, now you really got a good picture of what he does in the majors. Um, but, I mean, this season, only in five games, but he's hit 364. He does have a walk and a double, so four, uh, four hits as well. Um, I'm just looking at Brian Rocchio, and he's somebody was a captain recently, was a captain back in 2021, played 64 games with us. Um, but his stat line last season – uh, looking across Akron and Columbus, his stat line looks very similar, I would say, to an Andres Jimenez. He hit two fifty seven, eighteen homers, 64 RBIs. He stole 14 bases and 23 tries. And this season, I he 
gotten off to a very good start. He's hitting 338 through 36 games, a home run, 21 RBI. He's hit uh, 13 doubles already. I mean, think about that. He had 27 doubles in 132 games last year. He's only played 36. He's already at almost half that pace. So he is really hitting the ball very well. Um, and I'm thinking of a Gabriel Arias. It's the postseason experience for me. Something about having that postseason experience so early on. Now, did he do the greatest in that postseason experience? Not really, but he at least knows what what it's like and he knows what it takes to be there. Um, but he's somebody that, Jake, you touched on it, and I think it's exactly right. You could play him at first base, could put him at third. I mean, heck, you could probably like when he when he when he came over here from San Diego, wasn't he initially a shortstop? He was. He, he was, was a shortstop, yeah. and then now, we used him more you know, second, and he's shifted all over now. But like, and even like, he just has that size. Like, you can play him at DH or first. It it doesn't matter. He seems to be that kind of do it all player. Whatever you need him to do for the team, he's more than happy to do. Yeah, I think if you look forward though, and you see Freeman start to struggle, or Arias continue to really struggle with the bat in his hands to the point where it's hard to even warrant him being there for the versatility, Rokio's a guy you got to look to call up. I mean, you touched on it. 338 this season is yeah. absurd. I definitely can see him being potentially on the opening day roster next year. Oh, no, I think you'd be crazy so. not to see him. Yeah. yeah, I think he's pushing for a 2024 starting lineup uh, position there. You can definitely see it. Yeah. Probably at that shortstop spot, you'd yeah. think. Um, I mean, Ahmed Rosario, just got to see how that ultimately pans out because like Rokio currently listed as a shortstop in Columbus, but... I definitely think you can work him anywhere in the infield that you need. Yeah. Okay, may, may, maybe not first, but I think I, I mean he can definitely not yeah. going to need third base. I mean, unless you're giving Jose the day off the DH, well, day off I guess. Um, but but yeah, yeah, and, and the other thing too, locking up Jimenez at second, that kind of is like okay, yeah. if Rosario is just kind of struggling like he is right now. May look to make that change. Yeah, it just depends. You got to see what Rosario does this year. I think it's kind of his. This is a make or break year. Yeah, it is. It's a make or break year for him if he comes out. You know, it's a bit of a slow start, but he started to pick things up now too. So it's what we've seen with him. It just depends. But uh, that pretty much wraps up this or that, and wraps up this episode of Mistake by the Take. Do you really quick want to go through all the guys that we went through? Yeah, absolutely. So we can. I'll kick it off. I picked Bo Naylor over Cam Gallagher. I picked Gavin Williams over Pey- Peyton Batenfield. Um, Prius. I did not pick. I picked David Fry over Prius. I mean, quick change there, actually. Um, and then I picked Will Brennan over George Valera. And then out of the last three that we did, I picked Brian Rocchio to be the one that should stay down in the minors. I think I was the exact same, if I'm not mistaken. I think because you had... Yeah, yeah, you were. Yeah, you were the I think, exact I think same. You and yeah. I, you and I thought that. alike... I really think too. Well, hey, I mean, great, great mind, great minds great think alike, minds right? Think alike. But yeah, how about that one, fair, Jake? To, but I think to be to be fair though, yeah, yeah. I mean, to have a show like this, gotta have some healthy debate. And I think you know, a couple of those, I was kind of on the fringe. Like, if it's if it's me, really deep down, just like kind of based on fandom, like I would be in a spot where I'd say, okay, yeah, give me give me George Valera, right? Uh, you know, possibly a Mike Capriz over David Fry, but. Uh, again, I, I will say, if any of this or that had John Kenzie in a while, I think you guys know right, what I would have yeah. been a little bit of bias there. <laughs> but had he been having a better season, he would have he would have been in there. Right. Again, you know, just the average. Get get me the average to like two thirty five. You probably would have your mainstay cleanup hitter for years to come. Dude, you were you were like praising him. I like it though. I was. I, you know, and that's the yeah. thing too. Like this episode, we really wanted to go into guys that we could see in the future because yeah. I think that it's it, that's a stake in 
Cleveland sports is just like mm-hmm. these no-name guys, really, that you didn't really hear too much of, but they come out of nowhere. And, you know, we don't make these big free agent signings all the time. And we get this, that we have a great development system, like you touched on earlier. So I think that it was... A, it was a great episode to like be able to like go in and take a deep dive into this kind of stuff. We also obviously can't forget the uh, Cleveland sports motto that's always been ingrained in us since since I mean since long before we were born. There's always next year. Yes, yeah, there's always next year. No, but yep. there certainly still is this year. There's a whole lot of time left, but right. you know, just that that's kind of something that eludes going into the future. Yeah, and Logan a guy who's seen a lot of these guys in the minor league system too, and I think it doesn't get enough coverage honestly cuz you talk NFL draft, those guys are making pretty much immediate impacts. These guys take a little bit longer. So it's good to let some people know, you know, who's coming up, who they might see in the next couple of years, and get them a little excited at times. Uh, in terms of this or that, though, I'm the one with an actual brain who doesn't just, you know, follow the sheep. You two, ouch! But <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I went Bonaler over Cam Gallagher, Peyton Battenfield over Gavin Williams, Micah Prius over. Just kidding. Flip that. David Fry over Micah Prius. Did the same did the thing. Same I don't thing. know why. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. Uh, I went Valera over Brennan and was right there with you guys. Went Rokio as my odd man out in that final scenario. But again, that wraps up the episode for us. Before we go, I want to make sure to thank Logan Potosky for being on. And before we let you go, I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to you know, let us know where we can hear more of you, where we can see some of your stuff. For sure, yeah. Uh, gladly. Uh, you can uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram. My uh, broadcasting account's at Logan Potosky. That's L-O-G-A-N. P-O-T-O-S-K-Y. I know it's kind of a lot to spell, but I figured I'd at least spell that for you. Uh, also, too, you can follow. So, at the moment, currently calling home games for Lake County. You know, may or may not change. We'll have to see what happens with that. But uh, you can catch all that action. I mean, really, any of the captain's games, actually. But you'll hear me when we're playing at Classic Auto Group Park. Uh, you can either, for one... Uh, you can get a paid subscription to MILB.TV. I know that that allows you to definitely, like, you can go back, watch games, you know, any of the games of the season. You can also watch on various devices like a computer, you know, smart TV. But I know specifically for your phone and for tablets. I know it works on those two for sure. There's a free app. It's called Bally Live. You get the app. I think all you do is put in a username and a phone number. It's free. And you can watch Captain's Games there. So Bally Live, that that app uh, on Google Play and app stores as well. Um, and then also MILB.TV. Yeah, and then also, too, um, we mentioned him earlier, too. Logan has a brother, Luke. Does awesome work as well at John Carroll. We worked with both of them at our careers here. And, I mean, you guys killing it. Um, but, yeah, I, I and I, I was talking to, to Luke last night. I'm like... We definitely got to get you on the show too. So oh, like yeah. eventually, yeah, we're gonna get him on too as well. But um, yeah, no. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say uh, definitely for uh, him as well. I know every win that the Guardians get, you look at his Instagram story and he just gives you these fantastic stat nuggets. We were talking about him right before uh, we got started here with our uh, at the episode recording here. Uh, you can follow him on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Luke Potosky. So same spelling, just L-U-K-E and then P-O-T-O-S-K-Y. You know those like weird random ESPN stats where it's like LeBron James is 3-0 when he has a mayo sandwich at 12 5 <laughs> And the floor is 73 degrees Fahrenheit. Yes, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> right. That's Luke for you basically. But yeah. no, I mean he does great work. I, I mean – Every day on his story, I see like a random news stat. I'm just like, I'm like, holy crap, where did he even get this from? Yeah, but yeah, no, I mean, you guys, you guys kill it. Um, 
And you guys were great mentors to both Jake and I for all these years. And we're going to miss you next year, too. So it's a little little bummed, but we're excited to see what you got. Well, I mean, you know, that uh, definitely means a great deal. You know, I mean, it's been an absolute privilege to be working with you two. You guys are doing some fantastic stuff. Really love the podcast that you're doing here, uh, getting getting that kind of thing going. I know you guys are greatly involved in our uh, WJCU talk show, Streaks Talking Sports. You guys are definite mainstays there when I got it uh, started this past semester and, uh, Looks like that's going to be going, at least for now. I'm certainly glad to see that, too. Uh, but, I mean, you two, keep up the fantastic work. And uh, Luke and I won't be far, at least for now. I mean, we're still in the area right now. We're going to definitely try to come back whenever we can, keep up with uh, all that you guys are doing. And uh, But, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, I mean, Logan, thanks again for coming on. Again, Logan Potosky, play-by-play broadcaster and good friend of ours for broadcaster-wise, a high A affiliate of the Cleveland Guardians. And uh, Logan, I'm sure this won't be the last time you're on. I'm sure we'll uh, oh, yeah. we'll get you back we'll on. Get at back some point. Yeah, I would definitely love Brown to. Brown season, maybe. Whenever too, you guys yeah. want, you know for sure. And I know uh, uh, Luke as well got to uh, do that uh, PR media relations oh, yeah. Yeah. with with the Browns this past season, so he definitely knows a thing or two about the Orange and Brown for sure too. Yeah. Yep. That wraps it up. Thanks again to Logan Batoski, and uh, that's been another episode of Mistake by the Take.